Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Bella Osborne. Uh, she writes book club and romantic fiction. You can hear what it's like writing many different types of story throughout the day because different publishers want different things. Also, she tries to take us through the writing routine of a year. There's a lot going on. Try and keep track of that. And you can hear what she does when characters keep hanging around. I wrote down a bit about them and, and this sort of this scene, their first scene together that I pictured and jotted that, put it to one side. Right, great. That's OK. I've shelved it. I can go back and I can finish what I'm doing. But they wouldn't go away. And at one point I had to go, right, I'm just going to sit down. And I wrote another piece about them. And I left them having fish and chips on a bench by the seaside. <laughs> I was like, now you need to sit there and I will come back to you but I've got to finish this. And um, yeah, it's just sometimes characters are just like that and they're just so fully formed and, and this pair really were. There is more on the way with Bella Osborne in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, welcome along. It's it's Writer's Routine, where we speak to all manner of different authors in different genres, with different styles, using different methods to find out how they plan their day and their ideas to get the story done. Uh, my name's Dan Simpson. I hope you've had a good couple of weeks. Thank you for bearing with me through the break. Uh, this week on the show, we're joined by Bella Osborne. Uh, she's got a lot going on. Her eighth and ninth book are out, both within the space of a few months. Uh, the Promise of Summer was out back in July with Avon. That's why this interview was set up. And then a few months later, just at the start of this month, really, uh, the library is out with Aria. Now, we stick mainly to the promise of Summer, talking about her characters, trying to run through the plot. We do talk through the the mind-boggling routine of her year, working on different books for different publishers, keeping her head in different games. Now, this was recorded back in July. It is crazy to hear how it works, though, and and how much she needs to keep things planned. You can hear why her family hates NaNoWriMo, the uh, the whole month of writing, getting your word count done through November. We talk about why coasters make poor places to write on, how characters normally come to her on a train for some reason, her post-it note justification, why her cats play a huge part in the writing day, uh, and I warn you, you can hear me get very excited about a new type of tea that I've discovered, which makes sense. It's imperative to every writer. That's coming up first. Let's jump into it, as we always do, with Bella Osborne talking about what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. 
Well, I've got a plinky plonky keyboard because um, because why not really? So it makes me feel like a real um, writer. I can give you a demo. That can you hear that? I can hear that. Yeah, it's excellent. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's. Uh... It feels like I'm in a sort of a 1930s typing pool, so that's... Um, so is that your is that your actual keyboard for your computer? It's not something that you've kind of bought in to make you feel like you're in Victorian times? Oh, I absolutely bought in, yes. It was my um, prize from PLR, so we get a wonderful little bonus from PLR each year, and this is what I bought with mine this year, was this plinky-plonky keyboard. So it's um, it does the trick, makes me feel very, very writerly, which is good because most days I don't. So it's... Um, it's very good. So yes, I've got my keyboard, so that's in front of me. I have a couple of random things of hand cream. I've just noticed I've got two staplers. One of those is not mine. <laughs> so, so there's also obviously some um, some thieving going on. I've got um, a cup of tea, very important. I've got a couple of notebooks, some coloured pens, a squishy penguin, a deck chair, uh, which is for it's not a, not a real deck, it's not a whole deck chair. I'm not completely potted. It's a it's a stand for my mobile phone, and it's a little deck chair. So my mobile sits in a little deck chair, and then I have a lot of post-it notes, and I mean a lot of post-it notes, all shapes, all sizes, even some Disney ones, sort of stacked up. And then I've got used post-it notes with what I thought at the time were genius thoughts in piles around my desk. And under that somewhere is a mouse. So, yes, that's the, that's the that's what I'm seeing this morning. It does look slightly different at different stages, but I'm in the middle of structural edits at the moment. So, therefore, it's chaos. But underneath that is a desk. And in <laughs> so just t- take us through what you would find on what I would find on one of the post-it notes. How how thorough are the jotting downs there, or is it just like? <laughs> There we go. Like little words just to prompt you. Just like read a few off to me. No spoilers or anything like that. But I mean, we shouldn't. Just read a few off just to get us a flavour. Oh, oh dear Lord. Oh dear Lord. No, they, they will, most of them make no sense at all. In fact, I do occasionally tweet those that I've written in the night because they literally make no sense. I had one about a Yeti. I was like, I have no idea what that is. It's, um, so yes, some of them are completely random thoughts. And um, yeah, I mean, what I've picked up says open drawer. Up early, trip over. No idea. Um, so it's um, so yeah. So some of them make no sense at all. Some of them are sort of ideas, and some of them are thoughts for characters, and um, and then some of them will be remember to feed child. You know, sort of essentials like that, really. So uh, now that's the that's the kind of the practicalities done. We've done your desk. Um, where do I find you in your house? Where is your writing room? Uh, so it's a spare bedroom, which we grandly call the study, but it's our um, smallest bedroom. So I've sort of taken that over, commandeered it and um, put a desk in there. So my first book was written at the dining room table and uh, I needed somewhere that I could call my own really and shut myself away so I can mutter to myself without them wanting to call in any medical attention. <laughs> as long as you remember to feed them, which is fine because you've got it on the post-it note, so that's okay. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's often, um, through, through November, I do something called NaNoWriMo, so it's generally fish fingers through November. They hate November, but but they know. And a few vitamin tablets, and they're fine, they're fine. <laughs> and also, it's, it's right before December, so at least they've got, like, uh, the, the bounty and the banquets of Christmas to look forward to, I'd imagine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they're complaining about. Listen, t- oh, take know. me around the walls. Is there anything inspirational there just to kind of keep you going? Uh, 
uh, there's a couple more post-it notes stuck on the wall. That's very sad, isn't it? Yeah, so while I've run out of space on the desk, I've stuck a few up the wall. Uh, there's um, Above me is a cork board, which has my overall year and my annual schedule. So that, I, that does be, it is updated, but that's my schedule for the whole year. So I can see what I'm doing month on month. So that's above me. I've got a little list of um, a group of supporters who are really, really great. So I've got those to hand so I can call on those. I've got a few thank you cards, a little motivational thing from my editor uh, that's got a full stop and then a comma and says, don't stop, keep going, which is jolly handy when you're in the middle of something that feels like you're trying to run through treacle. And I've also got my own summary of the book I'm currently writing so that's pinned up there as well to remind me what I told my editor I was going to write so that at least what I'm writing does compare in some way to what we've agreed and a lot of coloured little sticky things um, I've got a, a sign that somebody bought me years ago which I love which is careful or you'll end up in my novel which is great because I used to I did take, take that into my real job before I left I used to have that on my desk and if anybody upset me I just point at it that was uh, that was helpful. Um, over on my cupboards, I've got the plot for the next book I'm going to write. That's all done, funnily enough, in post-it notes. I know that'd be a surprise to you. On a large piece of brown paper, that's stuck up there. Uh, that's about it, really. Oh, emergency protein bars, because obviously what I do is very vigorous and requires nutrition at um, any moment, really, so... An emergency biscuit, very important emergency biscuit. Of course. You mentioned um, that, that kind of the array of your desk might look a bit different depending on at what point of the year or what point of the story you're out. What changes depending on what you're doing? Um, my husband has sort of a, a bit of a breakdown over the state of it. And at that point, I feel his mental health is more important and I tidy it and therefore it is dust free. And um, and it looks normal, like another normal room in the house. So um, yeah, it's it, it in in between when I'm working, it it can be a mess. It really can. But after each book, I clear it down so that I can see the desk again because that's quite nice. And I don't think the dust is very good for my asthma, so that's important too. So it then has a complete sort out, and we we start again, which is kind of what's putting me off putting in the new computer that has arrived and is sat on the landing because I know I'll have to clear everything off and that in itself is a bit of a task. So it can just sit there for now. And it's also winding the teenager up, which is another added bonus because she's desperate to set it up and it's just sort of sat there. I go, yes, we'll get to it eventually. At the moment, busy. So yes, it, it goes through different stages, but it is frequently in a sort of chaotic state, which is unusual for me because everything else in my life is very ordered. But when it comes to this, at certain times, it all has to be around me so I can grab it because when I'm in that zone and I'm working, I do need everything to hand. I need to be able to go, oh, I've written something good about that. I might not be able to find it, but I know it's here somewhere. Do you, what, do you know what's interesting you're saying about your teenager being so excited to set up your computer? I've realised... I've just passed one of those milestones of growing up, I'd say, which is when you're fine to just like let something new be in a box for a while. You don't want to instantly unwrap it. I, <laughs> I bought something recently and I thought, 
I just don't know if I can be bothered to open it yet. <laughs> it's going to take so much effort on my part. So I, I'm kind of, I'm in the balance of your teenager, I think. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel you, Dan. And I, I, I know the moment. It's, all, it's about prioritisation as well, isn't it? And you, you've only got so much time and so many hours. And some things absolutely need to be ripped open very quickly. I I get that. But sometimes you just think, no, I know there's a task behind that. So the excitement will be very short-lived and then I've got to do something. So that can sit over there. And then I'll come to it. This uh, this bit worried me down, I must admit, because I just thought, this is not very interesting, is it? From my perspective. I mean, I've listened to others and they are they have interesting lives and schedules. And I just think, dear, oh dear, my, mine is not that exciting. So um, so I, I get up, I uh, pad downstairs, talk to the cat. She's, um, she's very good. She talks back occasionally and has a little tickle. And then... My daughter is usually already up when she's going to school. She's not at the moment. We might see her Tuesday. I'm not sure. Um, but she, she's usually up and having breakfast. But as I mentioned before, teenager. So generally don't want to anger it. So might sort of wave and see if it's responsive. Um, husband is usually up and about. He's a morning person. Very annoying. I'm not a morning person. I'm also not a night owl, so I haven't really nailed what time of day is right for me yet, but I'm sure it will come. So we sort of um, are around the breakfast table at similar times, have something to eat, have a little look at social media, what's happening there, and maybe post a few things, and then maybe write a few tweets and then delete them. And then tea. Tea is very important. First cup of tea of the day. That's quite essential. Then I'll have a shower, get dressed and come and look at the desk, see what state I left it in the day before. Um, Also, there will usually be a post-it note on my desk, which is what I need to do, which is often look at to-do list because that's under, in fact, that is under about four layers at the moment. It's in here somewhere, which is uh, quite important. See if there's something essential I need to do. I will also check my bedside cabinet to see if I've written any genius ideas down in the night because that never happens but I always check to see what it is and there might be something important that I need to to do on there as well I did actually once have something I still maintain was a cracking idea come to me in the middle of the night and I've got a pen and a pad at the side of my desk so in the dark I wrote something down because I thought that's that's brilliant and I remember going back to sleep thinking that is just fantastic Woke up the next morning. I was quite excited to try and hunt down that post-it note. There was nothing. There was nothing. My pad was there and it was blank. The pen was was there. I was like, well, I know I wrote it down. I know I wrote it down. I didn't dream it. I definitely wrote it down. And then I noticed there was just a little something on my dark brown coaster that's on my bedside cabinet. And I looked at it and you could see that I'd written on it in biro, but because it was dark brown, couldn't see what I'd written. So I, I even now I will occasionally pick it up and have a look. I have no idea what it is. I cannot read it, but it's there. It's there. I have it, that brilliant idea, but I have no idea what it is. So the moral of the story, don't write on coasters. Use the notepad. Very important. I, um, I then come and sit down and work and see what it is I'm doing. So that could be could be a first draft which I love it could be structural edits which I hate it could be line edits hate them content um copy edits hate them proofreading loathe it um it could be content for um publicity so sometimes I do some Q&As 
and a blog post, those sort of things, newsletters for readers, various various to do things. So I'll crack on with whatever my priority is for that day. And then usually about half past 12, my husband shouts and says it's lunchtime. So that's quite a good break. Get something to eat and then go for a walk, which I think is really good to get some fresh air and just um, stretch the leg legs and be away from the desk for a while. Also quite important if you don't want to get writer's bottom, which is definitely a thing. And um, or deep vein thrombosis, which I do worry about from time to time. So getting some fresh air. So only go out for about half an hour, but it's it's good to be outside and get different perspective and see what's going on in the world and then come back to it and sit back down and carry on, basically. And I do that until the child appears. So so usually comes in around about four o'clock and we have a catch up then. I usually have another cup of tea and catch up with her on her day and what she's been up to, what she's got to do and see how things are. And then she goes off to usually do homework or sort of vegetate in her pit and I go back to work. And then usually come out again to feed them fish fingers or sometimes cook something, actual food, round about half past five-ish, depending on what I'm doing, usually about half past five-ish. If they haven't been fed by half past six, the mutiny starts. So that's kind of my, my window, really. And then I do a little bit more. Sometimes I'll just sort of, I was going to say tidy up, I tidy up. I don't really tidy up. I just put something into, you know, just maybe shove a pile to one side or, or work out what my priorities for the next day and make sure I've got a post-it note so I know what I'm doing the next day. And um, and then I'll go and chill out, watch some telly, maybe read at the moment, sit in the garden. It's, it's, uh, it's the coolest place. So so you've got, what, four four like chunks of, of, of work and of, of writing there. With with little bits of break for moving or feeding or chatting in in between, um, is there an aim for the day? How much are you kind of happy with getting done? Yeah, I, surprisingly, I am quite disciplined, so I do know what I need to do on a daily basis. It's easier with the first draft because you can set a word count and you can focus on what you need to do, and it's easier to track when you're looking at numbers. That that does work, although I'm not actually good with numbers, but that's um, easier to manage, and I we'll sort of work in page numbers when I'm doing a self-edit or even a structural edit, actually, so I can get an idea for how many I'm getting done. If It gives you some sort of sense of achievement. So if I can log at the end of the day, okay, so I do 32 pages on structural edits. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm crawling at a snail's pace, but I'm getting there. So I think that that um, helps. And as I say, I've got a, a schedule, so I know what I need to be doing when across months. And again, that's broken down into into weeks so yeah I do I do know what I'm doing from from day to day and sort of tick that off as I go and the cat often joins me so that's quite nice she does love a zoom meeting so um it's quite nice to have have some company um just just run me through on your um on your computer that you've got with your plinky plonky keyboard like the show can get quite niche um what software are you using to write on and also um, do you have any like strong font opinions, Bella? <laughs> oh, we're not nerdy at all in the mighty community, are we? Oh, bless <laughs> our bless our little heart. Um, so I use Windows for Mac, 
and I've got quite a rigid filing structure. So people have talked to me about Scrivener, so I haven't used it. So I don't know what the benefits are, but I know one of them is the filing structure. Well, mine's pretty darn good. So I've, I've got files for, for drafts, for edits, for covers, for preparation, all sorts, and then they're broken down into other things. So I, and I version control my first draft and the whole thing all the way through is version controlled. So I know where everything is any one time and Word works very well for me. I, I have, I have, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I have dallied into various fonts, you know, a little bit of um, American typewriter here and Calibri, but I come back to Times New Roman mainly because I don't really want to send it to my editor in something slightly odd. So I go to Times New Roman. It's not exciting. It's not, it, you know, but it does the job. So I tend to stick with that. And I have a template that I, um, I've i set up. So when I start writing, I just go to my book template and it, it's all ready to, to rock and roll. 1st of July, deliver the girls. So that was, um, I needed to deliver the first draft of the second book in the contract for Aria. So that had a delivery of July. I've got um, publication of The Promise of Summer, which was also for July, which was my book with Ave, this year's book with Avon. Then I've got the Christmas Village start first draft. So that's um, would be the second book next year for Avon, so that's me. I've done some prep on that, and that's me starting to map out that first draft, although that's going to be put back now. Um, and then structural edits on The Girls, which is the second book in the ARIA contract, so that's what I'm in the middle of is doing the structural edits for those. Then we go to August, which is um, finish the structural edits <laughs> for, for that book and have some holiday. September, I've got the publication of the library with Aria coming out in ebook. I will have line edits of the girls. I will have structural edits for my summer book with Avon. And then we move on to October. I will have line edits for my Avon summer book. I will start the first draft properly of the Second book for next year, The Christmas Village for Avon. I will have copy edits for the girls and I'll be, I would have been prepping for Nano, but I won't be because I'm going to carry on with the book that will be partly done. November, copy edits for Avon Summer Book and NaNoWriMo, which will be the Christmas book, which is where everything goes bonkers and you write 1,667 words a day to get 50,000 words done in a month. It's bonkers, but it works. So I'll be doing that. And then December will be planning for my summer 2023 book with Avon. That is assuming I have a new contract. Obviously, everything crossed. Avon, guys, if you're listening, I love you. You're wonderful. Please give me another contract. Uh, proofread for the girls and self-edit the Christmas book. Hmm. Right. So, so <laughs> like, oh, how... You've got there's so many plates spinning there, so many different books and story ideas that you're thinking of for different publishers, kind of different, I guess, arms of your writing career. I mean, it's a good job that you said you are on top of your admin. How, 
how is that not a brain fryer for you, Bella? How is that not how is that not something that can I think many people think uh, if you're a writer and if you've got the 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 privilege of being a full-time writer at home, then maybe there's some sort of luxury in there. You know, you can roll dial it, you can just potter on down to your shed at the bottom of the garden, type out a few words and uh, do the pruning for the rest of the day. How on earth do you kind of keep on top of this? Yeah, wouldn't that be lovely if that was what the reality was like? I, th- I think, I just don't think people realise. I think it's, it does take a lot of time. I also think thinking time takes a lot of time. And I think that's much underrated. You do need time to step away from it and let those new ideas percolate. And also the ones you're working on. I get an awful lot from just taking some time, even on those daily walks and just sitting back and thinking about scenes. And then that scene gets better in my mind and I can make it, you know, either deeper or funnier or just by thinking about it and, and visualising those characters. So that that time is not on that list, but it's probably the most important bit is that thinking time to let things percolate, let things settle and let things mature so that they come out better on the page or that I can then change them so they're better on the page. It's, um, yeah, there, there's an awful lot going on. I've got some lovely friends, some that some that get it and some that really don't, that will just, oh, could you just go and go to the shop and get this for me? Could you just pop and do? <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> but but um, I am at home, but I am working. So, um, in fact, I think, if anything, lockdown has helped because that has made people realise that, oh, actually, I'm at home and I'm working and I am really working. Oh, maybe Bella's doing that too. Maybe maybe she's actually working rather than just eating custard creams and playing with post-it notes. Although I do do that a lot, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, it is a lot to juggle and there is a lot going on, but I love it. And over the last 18 months, it's been a lifeline. It's, it's really kept me busy. I've been working sort of full-time plus, and that's been great. I would like to quieten it down a little bit, and I think it will quieten down after this year a little so that's that's good just so I can get a little bit of um work-life balance back because I have lost it at the moment and I am aware of that so um yeah it's a lot of plates spinning but they are currently spinning none have crashed at the moment so that's good Uh, when they're teetering when you are when you're working and it's things are going a bit tough you need some help getting the words down uh, is there any just like little thing that you turn to, a little thing in your day that really helps you out? Maybe a cup of tea at a certain time, a little bit of music on in the background, anything like that? Uh, tea is essential. Tea and biscuits. Uh, my husband has now learnt that he doesn't ask if I need the tea. He just brings the tea. So that works very well. Um, and a lot of the time I, I don't actually notice. I'll be working and I think, oh, there's a cup of tea there. I don't know where that came from. I, I'm that engrossed. I really don't notice that it arrives. So that's that's good. And a dunked biscuit is always a pleasure. That's a nice little daily highlight. I do, I, you know, I know it's a disgusting habit, but I do like to dunk a biscuit. But, uh, I don't think it's a disgusting habit. Oh, but some people think it is. Oh, it repulses some people. I think it's great. Do you know, you can actually get tea now that's biscuit tea, Yorkshire tea tea. Oh, is that an advert? Do we need to delete that? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Really malty. Like, yeah. Isn't it fair? I, I still dunk biscuits in it, though. I don't like yeah extra 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 biscuity, but yes, that's um, that's a wonderful wonderful thing. 
That's probably got me through lockdown, actually. Biscuit tea and Shit's Creek. Enjoyed it very much. I was going to say, after a year of after a year plus of lockdown and everything going on in the world, I think if some people find the time to be offended that you're dunking your tea, I just don't, don't know what's wrong with people, honestly. Oh, Dan, don't go on Twitter then. <laughs> no, 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 so I'm, many things. I'm staying. So many things. I'm staying I'm away of that. Yes. Do you? Do you? If you said something like that, it'd be. Do you realise people died from the biscuit crisis of 1847? So yeah, you caused this by mentioning biscuits. That's people get very upset. So yeah. So uh, biscuits and tea very important in um, breaking up my day. I'm also really lucky. I've got some great writer friends, and I've got um, a couple of little groups, like a little WhatsApp group where we um, ping in and out. So it's it's really good for when you know you're you're not doing what you should be or you need a little bit of help with something. And there's also a lovely Facebook group, um, which is called something like Arse Kicking Writers. It's really handy and it it's a group of people that are all there for the same thing. We want to get some words down. So it's great to go there and go, right, I need somebody to hold me accountable for this, I need to get this many words done. And we do sprints together. That's really nice. People will go on and say, right, I need to get this many done by the end of the day. Who's here? And um, anybody can put their hand up and go, yes, I need to do the same. I'll work with you. And that sort of accountability works really well. It's just nice to know there's people there. There's other people in the same situation, which is what I think I really like about Nano is that even though you don't know most of these people, somewhere in the world, there are all these people also trying to get these words down. And that gives a real sort of sense of being part of something and I think it's a very lonely job a lot of the time you are alone with your thoughts and your characters which possibly isn't always healthy and it's it's good to interact with real people even if that is through a screen or through websites and things like that it, it is somebody else real there that's in the same position as you and they're there to support you and you can get through this together so I think that's um that's a really useful thing to have, somebody that you can just call on to hold hands with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We'll be back with more from Bella in just a sec. Now, if you've enjoyed the show so far, 
if you've been cracking through a few episodes in, a, in, our, in the absence of new ones, if you've learned anything along the way that has just helped the way that you plan your day and get your stories done, you can always give back for that by supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash writers routine a little goes an incredibly long way just a couple of dollars a month really helps us carry on bringing you chats with the best authors around as often as we can and after this it's going to be pretty much two a week again now for that you get our undying thanks you get merch you get extra content there is also a way for your book to sponsor the show so if, if the release of it has kind of been a bit of a damp squib because of everything over the last 18 months, we can give it the plug that it absolutely deserves for all your hard work. To get involved, to support the show, just give whatever you can. It all goes an incredibly long way. I'm grateful for every single penny or cent over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Bella Osborne, running mainly through her new book, The Promise of Summer. We also talk a little bit about the the new new book, The Library, which is a book club read. You can hear how her characters and, and the genre that they're in kind of differ sometimes, but what is consistent through both. Also about the questions that she asks herself to unpack the very first idea. And on that very idea... Uh, that's what we pick things up talking about, the one she had for The Promise of Summer. How did it come to her? I do remember it because I was in the middle of another book. Not in the middle, I was probably about three quarters of the way through another book and these characters just popped up. And it is so inconvenient. It is so inconvenient because you're trying to get this other book and you're right in the middle of it. And it's like, right, and this, I'm, I'm nearly there. I need to get this nailed. And these other characters pop up. And you know, my little bird brain goes, oh, there's something new and exciting over there. I like the look of these people. That looks far more interesting than what I'm doing. So that discipline has to come in where you have to go, right, you people, I'm going to write a little bit down about you so I don't forget you because there's clearly something there. But I really need to go back to the thing I need to finish, which I'm now not that interested in because I want to do the new shiny thing. And it pretty much happens every time. But with Ruby, she just barreled in and she was on a train and I have no idea why she was on a train and her character was just really strong how she came across she and sort of she wears vintage and she just was there and um, then there was this other character who was very starchy you know very sort of wooden in his approach and unemotional and um, I thought these two are just absolute gold so I I wrote down a bit about them and, and this sort of this scene, their first scene together that I pictured and jotted and I put it to one side. Right, great. That's okay. I've shelved it. I can go back and I can finish what I'm doing, but they wouldn't go away. And at one point I had to go, right, I'm just going to sit down. And I wrote another piece about them. And I left them having fish and chips on a bench by the seaside. <laughs> I was like, now you need to sit there and I will come back to you, but I've got to finish this. And um, yeah, it's just sometimes characters are just like that and they just so fully formed and, and this pair really were and their um yeah the way they were came to me really really easily it does sound like i've got something wrong with me doesn't it if you would if you were talking about this in any other situation people would be going you need help you do need help <laughs> it's um it's very strange how they they appear and they are real people in my head with real stories and to tell but uh, yeah, so that's that's where they came from, and um, it was an absolute dream to write. It really was. So it was, it was a dream to to plan, 
where, you know, who they were, what they were doing, what their motivations were, came really easily. And then, so I plotted it and planned it out because I love a plan and I love a post-it note. And that's probably my favourite part. And then closely followed by my second favourite part, which is the first draft. And that went that went really well. And um, that is a gift as a writer when that happens, that the book's almost write themselves. Talk us through that planning stage then. So when you've got these two characters and you know them really well, but you kind of need to know what they're up to, what, how they're going to feel 300 pages odd of your novel. Um, what, what, what questions do you ask yourself? How are you getting to the point where you can write out a full plot of your novel pretty much before you even start typing that first sentence? So I like to try and get to know them. So um, I'll do some bios so I set up some bios on um, PowerPoint and just jot down some key things about them so what they look like you know it is kind of important to me but that isn't sort of the main thing it's what sort of person are they what's their background how have they how have they got here what you why are they the way they are and also um, there's a great little triangle which I'm really sorry I don't know who invented it but it's something I use and it's um, it's got sort of three corners. And one of them is what do they think they want, which you know, is obviously sometimes very clear in their mind. But then there's what does everybody else think they want? So the people that they're, they interact with, that they're close to, what do they think that your main character is striving for? Because it's often different because it's perceptions of how we see people. And then what is it that they really need, which probably is something different again, that it isn't what they're searching for or what other people think they're looking for it's actually another need that needs to be fulfilled and I find that little triangle really useful to to answer and I need to get into the characters I guess to understand what those answers are because when I first sort of look at it I'm like not a clue don't know don't know what she's up to but but getting to know them a bit better and thinking through what I'm going to put them through that starts to help develop the characters also character does come first and then sort of plot kind of weaves its way in and I, I do I'm very visual so I do see things which which is really good because it's a bit like having a movie play in your head so you can picture things and then I can rerun that scene in my head like rewind play it again and see them do slightly different things or react in a different way and think, okay, so what, why why would they do that? And um, maybe add somebody else into a scene and see what what difference that makes. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of where it starts. It certainly starts with the characters, and it definitely did in this day in this situation. And and the train, and I've no idea why they were on a train, but that then became quite key to the whole story. Is like, okay, why are they on? Why are they on a train? They don't know each other. What's what's going on? So that's where the plot came from. Was so what what would what would make these two people stay in touch after they've got to London? What what on earth would make them still be in touch with each other when they're coming from Sheffield? So it's um yeah, it's it's all those sort of questions that you ask. I also ask why a lot. So I used to be in project management and a really good design analyst way of looking at things is to keep asking why and you ask why five times so you usually by the time you've answered the fifth why you've got to the right answer so I think that's that's something I find really useful so you know why is she on a train she's going to London why is she going to London ah because she's got an appointment what's the appointment for why is she going to an appointment 
fat because she wants X, Y, Z. I can't give away too much because of the spoilers. Okay, why does she need X, Y, Z? Ah, because of something that happened in her past. Ah, there you go. So you've, you've kind of got to the bottom of it just by asking those questions from just there's somebody on a train to, oh, my goodness, now I understand what her motivations were and why she's going and what's driving her. So it's, um, it's a handy little tool that um, I find really useful in the early stages. And then I get out my coloured post-it notes because otherwise it would just be a strange buying habit that I have. So I have to use them somewhere. And so I can justify the, you've bought more post-it notes. Yes, I have, because look, I've used them. Look, they're stuck up on the wall. Isn't it pretty? Um, so yes, it's, um, that's my plotting process. I'm a big, I'm a huge plotter and planner. And I know that, um, that, you know, that is just the worst thing to pantsters. I do I do appreciate that it's a strange habit I have, but I am quite extreme as well in my plotting. I, I'm aware of that as well. So I think that's good. That's good. That's good. I, you know, I I know my 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 flaws. I think with with my characters, it's a bit of a mix, really. So it's romantic comedy, but there's usually some more underlying things going on. So a little something a little bit darker that's threaded through. But there's always a very strong sense of friendship and female friendship in particular so I think it's it is probably a little pacey for for romance so that I do have a lot happening and I do occasionally get that in feedback there's like oh there's a lot happening there was like six things happening yeah because that's what I like I like to have lots happening rather than you know so we're all different and we all like different things and there's, I think there's a place for all of those different types of romantic novel the gentle ones, the really emotional ones, they're, they're all brilliant. And I guess this is me finding my niche. And mine is that mine's a bit pacier and it has some underlying darker elements to it. So hopefully that makes it a little bit different to other things that are out there. How much do you think about um, the language that you're writing with, that the, the, the next word, how, how perfect does that next word need to be? Not at all. Not when I'm doing a first draft. Couldn't give a monkeys. It's um, about getting it down. So it's let's just get let's just get the story down. Let's just get it down. And then when you go back and when I go back and self-edit, I'll realise that I've used the same word repeatedly. I've even used the same sentence. And you know it's. It's a bit of a mess, but that's what editing is for. And you can go and you can take those things out. So I get it into a fairly good state before I send it to my agent. And then she'll come back with sort of more sort of structural views. But I'll, when I go through hers, then I'll, again, I'll take out, okay, I do not need 15 justs in that paragraph. I can take those out and um, hone it down again. And then when we get to, certainly to line edit, then I'm really thinking about those sentences and that language and those words and if that's really the right word I want for that and I need to watch that I don't get if I do an awful lot of self-editing which I do sometimes if I've got the time I will do a lot of self-editing which means that when I get my structural edits back then I am starting to look at language and I can get caught up in that so it's something I need to be aware of because I can sit and stare at sort of a paragraph for far too long going okay I think I, this could be better I could move that there oh no okay if I change that and move that there and then 20 minutes later I'll go actually I'm going to put it back to how it was so you can lose an awful lot of time that and watching kittens on the internet 
waste a lot of my time. Uh, but again, I'm aware that's good. So uh, it's yes, yeah, so I think it's initially not so much. And sometimes when you read things back, you have come up with some absolute blinders. And you read things and just go, did I write that? Did I write that? Maybe that was the cat. Maybe the cat did that while I went for a cup of tea. Probably that's what happened. But um, so, yeah, sometimes you, you do come up with some blinders. But I'm, for me, they're not often not in, you know, um, not thought through. Those ones that just happen to be there in the first draft. They're just a nice gift that I find later on. Um, genre writing always fascinates me. Um, so this is The Promise of Summer. You've had One Family Christmas, Meet Me at Pebble Beach. Uh, coming home to Otterkin Bay, a family holiday, um, the, uplit and, and romance. What is it about that genre that draws you to it? Why are your ideas so centred around these types of stories? I don't know. I, I just think it's how my writing came out. I don't think it's a particularly well thought through. And I know some people are, are very targeted in uh, what they write. They've thought about it they absolutely want to write historical that's what they're going to do or they've they've dabbled in different things when when I started writing this was just how it came out so it it kind of chose me rather than the other way around and it's um I mean I've 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 always written and I I wrote just for fun and I'd write probably maybe a third of a book and then I get a new shiny idea can you can you see a recurring theme here? And I would be distracted by that. So because I wasn't writing commercially, I'd just stop what I was doing. I'd write the new shiny thing. And I'd write that for about a you know, few thousand words. And i go, oh, new shiny idea. I'll stop. That. I'll write the new shiny idea. So I just sort of carried on going like that. But they were all very similar. They were all sort of romantic comedy type type stories. So it's just sort of how it came out. I mean, I do love to read romantic comedy. That is my, my favourite genre. I don't. I do read more widely now. I kind of did when I was younger, and then I then I stopped. I guess when you get busy with the day job, you, you, your leisure time gets reduced. So I did go back down to not many different reading, many different things, and then it's widened again as I've sort of joined a book club and read read more wide widely because of that. But um, so yeah, so it's it's always been my favourite genre. And I think maybe that's in there really. That's my outlet. That's what I enjoy to read and that's what I enjoy to write and that's how my characters come out that's just how they are I mean occasionally so that isn't the case so I've had <laughs> I had this strange situation where it well, must be over two years ago now I had two characters rock up while I was finishing off a romantic comedy and these characters rocked up and they were not romantic comedy characters I was like I, who the hell are you I don't know who you are and they were just gold. They really were gold. And um, I thought, I've got to do something with these. I just couldn't see how they would fit in. They didn't just didn't fit into a romantic comedy, not even as a second thread. It's like, you guys need your own story. So as it fell, I had some time on my hands and I had a little bit of a window and it was coming up to Camp Nano, which is the one in April where you can set your own target. I thought, wow, I'll just write their story for camp now I'll just do that for, for no good reason just so I get it out of my head because there's not a lot of space in there so I'll get these characters out of my head get them onto um, paper and then I can walk away from it because there's probably not a full story there oh my word there was a full story there so that was a that was a whole book so then I sort of sent it to my agent going please don't think I'm mad and it's okay I'm not stepping away from romantic comedies but 
I've written this and I don't know what it is or where it fits, but what do you think? And uh, she was brilliant and came back and said, this is, this is great. This is, you know, these characters are really strong. I, and she goes, it's good because it is intergenerational uplift. Is it? Oh, okay, that's great because I have no idea what I've just written. So um, that's kind of what it's been classed as and it's uh, like a more of a book club read is how I'd describe it. And it's about two characters, a teenager and a lady in her 70s who uh, come together to save their local library. And that's been picked up by Aria Fiction, so that's being published in September. So we're very excited about that. And it, it is different for me. doesn't mean I'm walking away from the rom-coms at all. That you know, That is what I do. But these characters just popped up and I had to write their story. And then I had the horrible situation of Aria saying, that's great. How about three books? It's like, no, but I've only got one idea. I don't have another idea. But uh, thankfully, I did get another idea. So um, I sat down with them and said, look, this is really random. I've got another idea. Um, it's about four women. Can I run it by you? And they were like, oh, no, we love that. Yeah, let's do that. So we agreed on two books with them. So that's that's that, which was just luck more than anything, because it isn't generally, it isn't what I write. But clearly, it now is what I write <laughs> a little bit. It's, it was in there somewhere. And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Bella Osborne for coming on the show. You can get a copy of one, the other, or both her new books, The Promise of Summer and The Library, uh, now in the episode notes wherever you're listening and over at writersroutine.com. While you're there, one of the best places that you can get in touch, just use a contact form over on the website. Now next week, we've got a bookshop day special with the kids' book author and the bookshop enthusiast, Piers Torday, he'll be on, uh, telling us all about his writing routine and and how big a part bookshops have played in his life. In the meantime, get in touch with the show on the website. You can do it on Twitter. We are at WritersPod there. Always leave a... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. View if you can at Writer's Pod, and you can support us at patreon.com forward slash writer's routine. Until then, I will see you next week with Piers Tour Day. Bye.